Justin Trudeau gets tougher with Iran, but is still weak in the face of an evil regime. The Iranian government gets more and more belligerent, and yet idiots on the left still insist the U.S. is to blame. A nuclear scare in Pickering shows how incompetent the government is, and the CBC gets a taste of its own medicine and gets called racist for airing a segment on immigration. I'm Candace Malcolm, and this is The Candace Malcolm Show. Hi, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. If you've been watching the show recently, you know that we've been focusing a lot on the situation in Iran, and no different today, we're going to go through everything that's happened over the past three or four days and try to figure out what is happening. So on Saturday, Justin Trudeau gave another press conference to talk about the Iranian uh, shooting down of a commercial aircraft, the Ukrainian international flight, where 173 people died. Uh, somewhere between 58 and 63 of those were Canadian citizens. It's still not clear how many Canadian citizens were on board. Originally, we were told 63. Now, some are suggesting it was 58. A lot of lost lives, a lot of Canadians that were on board. So Justin Trudeau came to address the same situation that he had on Thursday. I will say Justin Trudeau was a lot stronger on Saturday, whereas on Thursday, he was he was sort of, you know, he came across very somber, very unsure of himself. He, he just seemed really shaken. Um, and he, he couldn't really answer a question straight. He, he fumbled back on his talking points. He was directly asked whether he thought the U.S. was to blame, and he couldn't provide a straight answer. Let's play that clip. This is from Thursday. The CBC's David Cochran asking Justin Trudeau whether the U.S. is to blame and Trudeau not being able to provide a straight answer. Hi, Prime Minister. I just want to circle back to an earlier question. If the intelligence is accurate, then it seems this is the end result of a sequence of events that was sparked by the drone strike ordered by the U.S. president. So given the information you have, how much responsibility does the United United States bear for this tragedy? The evidence suggests that this is the likely cause, but we need to have a full and complete and credible investigation to establish uh, exactly uh, what happened. Uh, that is what we are calling for, and that is what we are expecting will happen. So again, the United States is Canada's closest ally. They're our most important ally. We're on the side of the United States. In fact, Canadian troops are side by side with American troops in Iraq. They've been there since we've been fighting and addressing the ISIS insurgency. Canadian lives are at risk in the same way as Americans are when Iran goes and bombs uh, bases, Iraqi bases, uh, housing allied troops. So the fact that Justin Trudeau cannot unequivocally reject the idea that the U.S. could possibly be to blame is shameful. That's shameful. Trudeau should have answered that question very clearly and said, no, this is not an instance of the United States being to blame. It was an Iranian missile launched by the Iranian regime in Iran, in Iranian airspace. There is no circumstance in the world where it would be another country's fault for the belligerent actions of a adversarial regime. Only in this sort of deranged world that we live in where people hate Donald Trump so much, they hate the, the, the U.S. government, that they're willing to tie themselves into knots to basically say to the Iranians who did this, it's not really your fault, you can't really be to blame, it's the Americans uh, absolving them of a truly evil deed, which is despicable. The fact that Trudeau couldn't unequivocally do that was embarrassing, to say the least. But I will say Trudeau was stronger on Saturday. So he, he was tougher, he came across more firmly, but he still gave room to the Iranian regime. So he said that he spoke to President Rouhani 
that Rouhani took responsibility. At this point, the Iranians had admitted, yes, it was us. Remember, at first they said that it was an engine failure. And then, once it was pretty clear, once video was released and there was intelligence gathered by the Canadian government and our allies showing, no, 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 it was very clear that this plane was shot out of the sky, then Iran initially said that it wasn't us, it wasn't our missile, we don't know what happened, and it wasn't until Saturday that they took responsibility. And yet, you know, on Thursday, it was the CBC that was sitting there repeating over and over again that the U.S. was to blame. We have a little montage of a couple of different CBC reporters saying that it was the U.S. to blame. It's a significant question that Canadians, uh, particularly the families of these victims, are going to have is, um, are 63 Canadians dead because of the the unintended consequences uh, of a decision made by the U.S. president. Hi, Prime Minister. I just want to circle back to an earlier question. If the intelligence is accurate, then it seems this is the end result of a sequence of events that was sparked by the drone strike ordered by the U.S. president. So given the information you have, how much responsibility does the United States bear for this tragedy? By Saturday, the Iranian regime was repeating CBC rhetoric. So CBC's editorial position on Thursday became the official talking points of the Islamist government, the Islamist Islamic regime in Iran on Saturday. So congratulations, CBC, you're on the same side as a maniacal regime. Um, but all, all that's to say that, that that derangement didn't just stop at the CBC, it, it extended throughout the US media and to public figures, and we'll get to that in a bit. My, my criticism with Justin Trudeau at this point was that he says, to the, he says during a press conference several times that Iran has taken an important first step that they have claimed and taken responsibility and that he basically praises Iran for doing that. That's total nonsense. Iran lied from the get-go. They lied repeatedly until they were caught into a corner where they had no other option, where all the evidence was pointing to, yes, Iran shot this down, and now their only response is, it was an accident. Okay, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. You murdered 173 people, malicious act of war against innocent people, families, children, babies, women, men, university students, some of the brightest young minds in Iran coming to Canada. And, you know, Iran just killed them through their own recklessness and incompetence. You don't just get to say, look, we're sorry. Trudeau shouldn't give them credit for taking responsibility. He should be pressing even further, although this is as far as I have seen him press. And then Justin Trudeau still does his own thing where he doesn't really directly answer a question. He just sort of obfuscates and repeats his talking points. So the post-millennial asked him whether or not he thought Qasem Soleimani was a legitimate target. Qasem Soleimani, as you know, was the head of Quds Force, which was an elite sort of secret uh, unit within the Revolutionary Guard Corps, the Iran Iranian military. Uh, it's been designated a terrorist by most Western governments, including Canada, since 2012. So, so Postmillennial asked, was he a legitimate target since he was leader of a terrorist group and that terrorist group has been listed by the Canadian government as a, as a terrorist group? Um, Trudeau can't answer. He can't provide a straight answer. Let's play that. Do you think Mr. Soleimani was a legitimate target? And my follow-up question to that is if you say his killing contributed to events that unfortunately led to the downing of the aircraft. Would your government now, I mean, first, can your government trust the regime on that? And would it follow through on listing the entire Revolutionary Guard Corps as a terrorist entity as you voted for in September 2018? These are the kinds of questions that we will have to be uh, reflecting on in the coming uh, days and weeks. Our focus right now is providing the support to grieving families that need answers, that need closure, that need justice, that need uh, access to consular support both 
in Iran and uh, in Canada. Uh, we are doing everything we can to ensure that that happens in the short term, but obviously there are reflections in the medium and long term as we move forward. Interestingly, as Trudeau was saying that, a former top official with Canada's Security Intelligence Agency gave an interview with Global News where he went much, much further. So where Trudeau couldn't answer the question, where Trudeau's foreign affairs minister was sort of squishy, uh, a top CSIS official, former CSIS official, came out and, and really said it like it was about Soleimani. So this was from... Um, um, Stuart Bell over at Global News, quote, Qasem Soleimani was a brutal yet talented terrorist leader. That's the best way I can describe him. He was supporting organizations that were sympathetic to the Iranian cause and specifically organizations whose mandate was violence. He never ceased his desire to cause mayhem and violence throughout the region. So, you know, whereas the politicians are for some reason too afraid to speak the truth and just come out and say, yes, this guy was a maniacal leader that was destabilizing the entire Middle East, responsible for countless deaths, you know, instead of just saying that, for some reason they feel the need to, oh, well, that's what we need to look into and we need to figure that out. They, they can't just come out and say it. Well, uh, you know, I'm glad that there's someone who was once in the Canadian government who had the... Uh, nerve to do it. And Boris Johnson, Prime Minister of the UK, made similar comments about Soleimani. He said that Soleimani has the blood of British troops on his hands and that uh, Soleimani gave improvised explosive devices to terrorists who, I'm afraid, killed and named British troops. The same is true about Canadian troops. We just don't have leaders that are courage courageous enough to say it. Okay, let's move on. So Iran is truly becoming more and more belligerent. You know, many people said that by taking responsibility for the aircraft, they were sort of de-escalating the situation, like trying to calm everything down and, and, and lower, lower the tensions. Uh, but that's just not the case. They continued with another bombing campaign against bases in Iraq, bases, again, where both Canadian and American troops are being held, being housed, putting lives at risk. Uh, you know, they, they, they are the ones that are continuing to push this hot war. And, you know, again, the idea that Justin Trudeau just took at their word that, look, this was an accident, we're moving on. The fact that Justin Trudeau was even praising them for that is just so despicable because even after Iran took responsibility, even after supposedly they said, okay, we lied before, but now we're going to come and tell the truth, they were once again caught in a lie. Once again caught in a lie. This was barely reported by the um, news in the West, not reported at all in the U.S. But basically a general from the Iranian regime came out and gave a press conference where he was supposedly telling the truth and coming clean about what actually happened. So this is what he said. So the Iranian missile operator who shot down the Ukrainian passenger jet was acting alone when he opened fire because of a communication breakdown, a Revolutionary Guard commander said on Saturday. The operator had mistaken the Boeing 737 for a cruise missile and only had 10 seconds to decide whether to fire. At various stages, it was reported that cruise missiles had been fired towards the country. He said the Ukrainian International Airlines plane was brought down in Tehran hours after Iran launched a volley of missiles at U.S. troops stationed at Iraqi bases on Wednesday. All 176 people on board died. Given the information provided to the operator that it was a war situation and cruise missiles had been fired, the person identified this as a missile. He was obliged to make contact and get verification. But apparently his communication system had some disruptions. Either a jamming of the system was the cause or a network was busy or whatever. He couldn't get in touch to the general. He had 10 seconds to decide. 
Okay, this entire scenario that they're painting here is like straight out of like an international relations sort of like game theory. Like the guy had 10 seconds to decide. He thought that there was an incoming missile and he had to decide. He was really junior. He was supposed to get approval from someone senior, but the line was blocked. I mean, this is like straight out of a Hollywood movie, straight out of a blockbuster. This is not a situation that was realistic. There's so many things that are wrong with this and it's so easy to pull apart. First of all, uh, there is a huge difference just in terms of size and speed of a jet, an air jet taking off, a commercial air jet taking off. Uh, the speed would be much, much slower than an incoming missile, which would be at full speed. So just from a very basic perspective, someone who is trained in this situation to be able to spot these kind of things would easily and very quickly be able to tell the difference between a missile and a passenger jet. So reportedly, the plane flew into restricted airspace, which is why this individual who supposedly only had 10 seconds to decide was even made aware of it. But the idea that he would only have 10 seconds to decide is really a stretch. I find it very, very hard to believe that it wouldn't have been longer, that he had to decide split second, 10 seconds. And then this whole idea that you know, he was supposed to get approval, but there was a jamming in the system or the network was busy or whatever. He couldn't get in touch with a higher Iranian general is, is just not believable because it's not like calling on a regular landline where you get a busy signal. Supposedly, there'd be a direct line to a commander. Um, and so what this really shows, first of all, is that the Iranian government has a very difficult time with the truth. They can't come out and say it. They have to create these really, you know, over the top scenarios to make it seem like, oh, it wasn't this guy's fault. Like he was in this impossible situation. And really, all, all this is to do is just to absolve them of the responsibility. What it really shows, though, not only are they reckless, they're just massively incompetent, massively incompetent. Like the idea that they can withstand some kind of uh, accelerated hot war against the United States is just ridiculous. When you look at the behind the scenes scenario where they have a junior person in charge of you know defending the country from incoming missiles, a guy that can't tell the difference in speed and size between an incoming missile and a passenger jet that is taking off. Somehow he only has 10 seconds to decide and he can't get in touch with anyone. Like their systems are so bad and you know basic that he can't even get in touch with a supervisor and that he has to make the split second decision. He's obviously, you know, hungry for war and hungry for sort of, you know, whatever revenge or hatred against the Americans, that he would be so willing to do something so reckless. And the Iranian government is now sort of like trotting this out as a excuse. I don't believe this story at all. I don't think that it's accurate. I don't think we're getting a full story. And this is supposedly the Iranians taking responsibility. That's not taking responsibility. Further belligerence from the Iranian regime they arrested the British ambassador to Iran. So there has been some talk of Canada reopening its embassy. There was an article in the Globe and Mail, an op-ed calling for Canada to reopen its embassy because of situations like this. They say that we need Canadian officials on the ground to deal with the uh, fallout and that it would be a lot easier if Canada had an official presence in Iran. Well, Iran reminds us of why we don't. Uh, back in 2012, Canada pulled its entire mission. They named Iranian uh, ambassador in Canada, persona non grata, expelled them from the country, and we pulled our own, in part because uh, the, the diplomats in Iran were not safe. They were no longer deemed safe. Uh, an Iranian mob had, uh, had broken into and ransacked the UK embassy, making it seem like, you know, this could possibly happen to Canada. Part of the reason Canada pulled it, well, Iran has done it again. This time they have arrested the ambassador of the British government. So Britain has announced the 
arrest of its ambassador to Iran as a violation of international law as a new diplomatic row broke out between London and Tehran over anti-government protests engulfing Iran. Basically, the Iranian regime accused the British ambassador of being part of the protest. So huge protests have broken out in Iran after the government admitted that it damaged jet and the Iranian government, paranoid, schizophrenic, crazy, they said that it was the British government who was actually planning these protests and thus arrested the British ambassador. Tehran said it had summoned McCary, who's the British ambassador, to justify his, quote, illegal and inappropriate presence, unquote, at the protest, despite the ambassador denying that he had taken part. And then meanwhile, it says a group of pro-regime protesters gathered outside the U.S. embassy calling for its closures. Again, this is, to me, one of the most concerning parts. It's happened in Canada, and now it's happening in the U.K., that there are all these loyalists, these Islamists, who are loyal to the Iranian regime. For whatever reason, they're in the West, and they're kind of doing the government, the regime's dirty work uh, by putting pressure on Western governments. You know, one of the things, so, so many people in the Iranian diaspora in Canada fled the regime. They hate the regime. You know, they, these are the ones that are protesting in Toronto in solidarity with the protests in Iran. And then the fact that there are these thugs who are loyal to the regime, you know, the most wicked government in the world, in my opinion, an absolutely despicable human rights record, a despicable record of interfering in the region, destabilizing the entire Middle East by sending out proxies, sending out terrorist groups, the largest state sponsor of terrorism, uh, a country that literally bankrolls wicked terrorist groups throughout the world, throughout the Middle East. And, you know, somehow there are people in the West who are loyal to this regime and they're willing to go out and do their dirty work. That is despicable. But again, this really just shows how deranged the Iranian government is, how belligerent they are. And to all the people who are sitting and saying this is really the U.S.'s fault, well, is it the, also the U.S.'s fault that now London and Tehran are in this feud? That, that now the U.K. and Iran are going head to head? Like, it's not the United States. The United States isn't the problem here. A country that would arrest and detain an ambassador, accusing him of just something outrageous uh, and silly, you know, that this is not a sane government. This is not a responsible government. And again, shame on anyone who is really defending this regime. And every time you sit and say Trump is the, to blame, the U.S. is really to blame, what you're doing is, again, absolving Iran of responsibility that it needs to take and it needs to have on it. So, like I said, big protests uh, are breaking out in Iran and the Iranian regime is cracking down, unsurprisingly. Uh, video surfaced of Iranian police shooting at protesters. And, you know, the good thing about this time around is that the world is watching. So, uh, you know, I felt like the world completely ignored the protests that erupted about a month ago when there was huge calls for regime change. Uh, there were big protests throughout Iran and the government just absolutely started cracking down, murdered somewhere between 15 and 1600 young Iranian protesters, peaceful protesters. They started doing mass arrests and really cracking down. They shut down internet in the entire country to kind of try to suppress these uh, protests. And you know, no one was paying attention. No one was watching. Well, this time around, the world is watching. Uh, President Trump made that known. Yeah, President Trump tweeted in support of the Iranian protesters, and he said to the regime, he warned the regime that there cannot be another massacre of peaceful protesters. So, you know, hopefully the people in Iran will push for regime change, and hopefully this will give them the strength to know that, you know, the regime can't just simply start arresting them and kidnapping them and murdering them. And if they do, hopefully there will be repercussions because again, the world is watching. Now, as I mentioned, the CBC trotted out this idea that the US is really to blame for the plane crash. Well, they were not alone. A CEO of a company joined in that derangement. 
uh, Michael McCain, who is the CEO of Maple Leafs Food, took to Twitter through the official Twitter handle of Maple Leafs Food and decided to jump in the realm of politics. He says, I am very angry and time isn't making me less angry. A Maple Leaf Foods colleague of mine lost his wife and family this week to a needless, irresponsible series of events in Iran. U.S. government leaders, unconstrained by checks and balances, concocted an ill-conceived plan to divert focus from political woes. The world knows Iran is a dangerous state, but the world found a path to contain it. Not perfect, but by most accounts, it was the right direction. A narcissist in Washington tears world accomplishments apart, destabilizes region. U.S. now unwelcomed everywhere in the area, including Iraq. Tensions escalated to feverish pitch, taking out despicable military leader terrorist, question mark. There are hundreds like him standing next in line. The collateral damage of his irresponsible, dangerous, ill-conceived behavior, question mark. 63 Canadians needlessly lost their lives in the crossfire, including the family of one of my Maple Leaf Foods colleagues, his wife and 11-year-old son. We are mourning and I am livid. Okay, so this is just like a perfect example of the derangement that many on the left have. He can only view the situation through the lens that America is the bad guy, America is at fault, and Iran is just, you know, they just happen to be the, the targets. This is the exact response of someone who just hates Donald Trump so much that they can't think clearly, they can't think rationally. So to him, everything is straight out of a Hollywood movie. Trump is this sort of like evil caricature of a president. And it's all, you know, because Trump has these political woes at home, so he's trying to change the channel and he's trying to do something different. Again, this kind of shows someone's ignorance of the region, of what's going on in Iran, because to say that the United States was the one who initiated this is just, it's just completely ignorant, completely untrue. If you look back, you know, it, it says right here, the world knows Iran is a dangerous state, but the world found a path to contain it. It's not perfect, but by most accounts, it's the right direction. This is not true. The Obama plan and strategy with Iran was a complete failure. The idea was basically that they would sign a piece of paper saying, yeah, sure, we won't develop our nuclear weapons. And in response, Obama not only freed up hundreds of billions of dollars in cash that was given to the regime, which was then used to bankroll terrorist groups across the region, which caused massive destabilization and untold loss of life. But it really just emboldened Iran. It had no restrictions on Iran in terms of human rights, funding terrorism. And by most accounts, Iran was continuing to covertly develop its nuclear weapons. So the Obama policy was just a total failure. And somehow this individual believes that Iran was contained. No, they weren't. They were completely acting, uh, you know, out of turn. Uh, they shot down an American drone in June in, in international airspace, which was a violation of international law. There was a huge attack on Saudi's uh, oil fields. It destroyed about 5% of Saudi Arabia's uh, oil output, which was a huge natural disaster as well. Where's the environmentalists looking at that and questioning that? You know, I Iran, they uh, seized British tanker in July 2019, not to mention the fact that they killed their own protesters, about 15 or 1600 of them over Christmas. And then what really escalated the situation, this is what the left is just completely blind to, was that on December 27th, unprovoked, Iran attacked a military base in Iraq. They killed an American citizen. Donald Trump always had a red line saying, don't kill an American. We won't escalate this. If you avoid killing Americans, well, the Soleimani and the Iranian regime killed an American on that 27th strike. Then on the 29th, they orchestrated an attack on the U.S. embassy in Baghdad. So this is two s solidified actions of 
the Iranians attacking American assets, attacking Americans. And so it was in response to that that Trump ordered the strike. There is also intelligence pointing that Soleimani had plans to actually uh, bomb and blow up the embassy in Baghdad the U.S. Embassy trying to kill the ambassador, just like they just kidnapped the ambassador of the U.K. So they were actively planning attacks. They were actively attacking America when Trump responded. And so, again, just to say that this was Trump acting, you know, escalating the situation shows just a real ignorance, you know, not, not, of, not of like far off history, of like the last two weeks of foreign affairs. It just shows like a total misunderstanding. So, again, this is just derangement. And this is the kind of stuff that like if you're a leader of a company, Focus on running your business and leave like foreign policy and politics to people who actually follow and know what's going on. We don't really care about your derangement. And a lot of people are now calling to boycott Maple Leaf Foods. I don't eat Maple Leaf Foods anyway. Uh, I don't really subscribe to the whole idea that we should boycott companies because of stupid remarks by people involved. Uh, but you know, if you want to boycott them, you can go ahead and do that. Okay, let's move on. So if you were like me, you received a text message early Sunday morning saying that there was some kind of an incident at the nuclear plant in Pickering, Ontario. We got an alert saying this is a province of Ontario emergency bulletin which applies to people within 10 kilometers of the Pickering nuclear generating station. An incident was reported at the Pickering nuclear generating station that there has been no abnormal release of radioactivity from the station and emergency staff are responding to the situation. People near the station do not need to take any protective actions at this time. Remain tuned in to local media for further information and instructions. Pretty scary stuff, right? So, you know, you get that on your cell phone. Everyone had it. So about an hour after that initial report was sent, after that text message, Ontario Power Generation clarified on Twitter that the message had been sent in error. So it said, important update, the alert regarding Pickering Nuclear was sent in error. There is no danger to the public or environment. So basically just total incompetence on the uh, part of Ontario power generation. This is the kind of stuff that really feeds into the fear that people have with nuclear power in, in general in the first place, which is unfortunate because it is you know, much cleaner and safer than so many of the alternatives. But you know, you can't really trust government to do anything competently. All right, final story we have here. This is an exclusive over at TNC.news, investigative journalism fellow, Lindsay Shepard tells us that the CBC now faces a complaint from a group of 30 immigrant rights organizations. They sent an open letter to the CBC ombudsperson calling for an investigation into an episode of the CBC program, The Fifth Estate, titled Passport Babies, The Growing Shadow Industry of Birth Tourism, which aired on January 5th, 2020. So the complaint, which was sent by the Migrant Workers Alliance for Change, claims that the episode is spreading misinformation and that it increases the risk of violence and hatred towards migrants and their families. Some of the group that signed the complaint include the Montreal Anti-Fascist Group, Idle No More, Butterfly Asian and Migrant Sex Workers Support Network, and the group No One Is Illegal. So really a group of crazy far left organizations saying that it is the CBC that is racist. They accuse the CBC of spreading racism, xenophobia, and dog whistle politics. Basically the CBC does a legitimate episode on a growing problem. We know that birth tourism is a problem in Canada and it isn't really a problem that affects sort of like 
the hardest done by the, the, the worst off of migrants, you know, the people that you really envision when you think of refugees coming from war-torn countries or incredibly poor places. No, this is like relatively well-off rich women coming from mostly China, but also countries like Russia and other European countries. They come to Canada when they're, you know, heavily pregnant in their third trimester, they have their babies, get the passport for their babies, and then leave. This is a legitimate problem of people free riding, taking advantage of Canadian generosity, taking advantage of a Canadian law that allows anyone born on Canadian soil to become a Canadian citizen, regardless of whether the mother or the parents have any legal status whatsoever in Canada. And so, again, CBC looks at this, which is a legitimate issue. And, you know, of course, of course, the far left the further far left accuses them of racism. It's kind of amusing because it's the CBC that usually leads this charge, right? It's the CBC that usually accuses other people of racism. Remember that created that whole fake news idea. They hired someone to pretend to be a Trump supporter and they put him out on the streets to try to see if he could rowel up other Canadians into racism. The CBC is often the ones that are trying to paint Canadians as racist or trick Canadians into being racist. And here they are doing a fairly straight news story, which was probably still way too sympathetic uh, to people who were clearly just trying to take advantage of Canadian generosity. And now the shoe's on the other foot and they are getting called racist. I wonder if this will make the CBC lighten up and stop calling Canadians who care about, you know, immigration and care about immigration laws being followed, if they'll ease up and stop calling those people racist. I highly doubt it, but it's amusing that CBC got a little bit of a taste of its own medicine. All right, I will leave it at that and we will be back again on Wednesday. Thank you so much for tuning in.